In today's episode, I catch up with Erkana Murray Bartlett, the current Guinness World Record holder for the most consecutive marathons run by a female. From August 2022 to January 2023, Erkana ran 150 marathons in 150 consecutive days, from the tip of Australia in Cape York to the toe of Australia in Melbourne. Her journey inspired thousands of people from all over the world and raised over $132,000 for her charity partner, the Wilderness Society, who helped protect Australia's unique wildlife and places. The idea was actually a childhood dream and again born from my personality of always setting tiny challenges for myself so it was there and it was you know it was something I thought of but I kind of put it on a shelf and it gathered dust for decades. I followed her journey closely and was lucky enough to join her on day 55 and day 94 of her challenge. This episode was recorded in early March this year, just seven weeks post her epic challenge. Since then, she has her energy back and recently smashed out a strong half marathon and marathon in back-to-back days at the Gold Coast Marathon. I can't wait to see what she does next. If you'd like to connect with Erkana, the best place to do so is on Instagram at Erkana underscore. It was a pleasure to host her on the podcast and we hope Hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to the first 42K podcast. And today I'm so excited because I'm joined by the amazing Erkana Murray Bartlett, who is the world record holder for the most consecutive marathons for women. Just recently finished an epic campaign, 150 marathons in 150 days. Welcome. Hello, thanks for having me. It's very exciting. It's nice to be chatting with you. I think uh, to give people some context, we met back in Mackay. Mm-hmm. So that was day 55 of your epic journey. I can't believe another 95 days to go following that. And I jumped in for a little 20 kilometers while you were smashing out just another marathon. Yeah, well, to put it into perspective, I'd actually oh, been following Sean's run for a long, for a lot longer before that. So I felt like virtually I knew who you were, but yeah, it's the first time we'd met face to face. And then you ran with me a second time day oh i don't know it would have been halfway I think around it was day 94 yeah around the 4000k mark yeah. when we were in brisbane or gold coast, gold coast. yeah yep yep so yeah you definitely <laughs> threw a lot of support behind it so thank you no thank you for doing what you did it was incredible to see and i think um you know more people should be getting behind people doing this sort of thing and you did it for the right reasons you raised some money for the wilderness society how was that experience for you it was awesome so i guess i've had a lifelong passion for native um, Australian animals and the wilderness in general I've always ran you know I've always been a road runner but my enjoyment's been through running through the trails and all the lush greenery that surrounded my house so it was a bit of a no-brainer when I realized that Australia had this biodiversity loss crisis you know we're world leaders in biodiversity loss um, it was always my cause it was yeah my why was kind of born from where I grew up as a child. Um, so my goal was to raise $10 per kilometre and I doubled that. So that was cool. <laughs> you smashed that. That was incredible. And it was awesome to see. It just it just grew um, grew so much momentum and fundraising, like just really towards the end. What was the total amount raised? It was like 132 something thousand dollars. So that's cool. I mean, that's huge. I didn't push the fundraiser as much as I could have. It was always, it was always there and I was always promoting it but it was also about the awareness side of it um Mm. i know that can be a bit of an arbitrary word but it was also about just identifying the fact that we do have an extinction crisis and that every state and territory that i ran through the representative animal is currently endangered so it's you know the koala in queensland the gangang cockatoo in in canberra the the lead beaters possum in victoria you know these are all critical animals to our 
you know, that we have these global significance and they're all not likely to be around in the next few decades. So, yeah, it was a really powerful partnership for me. If anything, off the back of Tip to Toe, it's taught me that I would love to work further in conservation um, or activism or awareness raising. Um, so I think that was the biggest learning for me. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I think, well, I didn't know any of that, as in I didn't know that the koala was endangered, mm. endangered in Queensland and, and these other ones in the different states as well. So I think, you know, you really did bring that awareness, which is incredible. It's always, you know, it's it's a hard thing to do. And I know you were doing so much as mm. well as running. It wasn't just going and running these distances, which is a marathon every single day. But afterwards, you were even speaking in schools and sharing the message and jumping on podcasts throughout the run as well. Yeah, absolutely. The days were crazy. So I left in August at the Cape. So the entire run was through summer, um, which my objective there was to not get rained on while I was camping and living. But it did mean that because it was so hot, I would get up at 4, 4.30 and start running as the sun rose. Um, and then even if it took me four, five, six hours on a really horrendous day, I'd still be back before lunch. So my afternoons were filled with the whole message because I wanted it to be just as much about the message as the run. Um, so I would see schools and we'd talk about Australian biodiversity and its significance. We'd talk about goal setting and, you know, just chasing your dreams. I'd also visit local community groups that were doing their own thing to protect the the at-risk animals in their space Mm -hmm. i did i went and saw a lot of wildlife carers i met this lady shout out to trish in queensland and she had not slept for more than two hours in decades because she has this cycle of animals that all have different feeding schedules so she feeds the bats at night every two hours then she feeds the roos and then she feeds her turtles and she has this place that has you know infinite animals but also everyone that doesn't that has a pet that no longer can house that pet they put them there too so it was this like eclectic native non-native farm but yeah just the people that have dedicated their lives to trying to help was so inspiring that's phenomenal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I I'm like, that. I don't think I could do that. No I choose way. running. <laughs> Two hours sleep per night. Like that is yeah, good on oh, her. That's crazy. And, and I think, you know, and that's what I love talking to people who are so passionate. Obviously, we share that passion in through running and running to then help others. Yet at the same time, I just love following people who are passionate about something. And I'm sure you're the same. And Absolutely. this woman, that's, that's, that's just awesome. But that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to use my platform to not just share the Wilderness Society's cause, but to share the cause and the stories, more so the stories of everybody that was doing something. Because, you know, it, my belief is that we're going to need to work together to, to be a loud enough voice to make change. So by sharing that, you know, if you want to make a difference or, or do something, there's so many other people doing it too, mm. pretty much just try and promote a community. So yeah, I definitely did that. Um, and then if I wasn't doing that, I was yeah podcasts or hustling. Cause to be honest, there's so much, it's okay to run, but sharing the story takes as, as you would know, takes as much work. You've got to hustle to get media attention, to, to put your story out there, to, to show that it deserves to be told. Mm. And to be honest, that's just as hard. <laughs> Absolutely. And a lot of energy in doing so. Yeah. And yeah, I think you did an incredible job on social media to really show that story. And it was largely just you and Riley, your partner, mm. is that right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Yeah. So I had my parents for the first five weeks, but we were out there for 24 to 24 weeks so only a small part part. and that's because the tip of Australia is all corrugated roads and it was four-wheel driving and I'm not a very good four-wheel driver so my dad took his um, annual leave no his long service leave sorry to come up and just make sure we got through that safe bit 
Um, and we did need the extra hands because there's no stores. So you needed to carry all your water with you or your food with you. To be honest, you just finish on the side of the road and then you camp there because there's no towns. Um, and so, yeah, starting was intense because I not only gave up my apartment um, and this job that I'd only recently got a promotion for, but I then, um, yeah, gently encouraged my partner to quit his jobs, quit his soccer <laughs> team, come with me, and then my dad to take his long service leave, something he's worked 10 years for. Yeah. So the pressure I felt at the very start to make this work was astronomical. Um, That's amazing. But <laughs> also it shows their belief in you, like they've yeah. jumped at this. Yeah. And, and why wouldn't they? What an experience. Oh, absolutely. And that's what I told myself more so than them is just like, if this fails in a heap, it's going to be a wild adventure. Mm. And it, to be honest, just getting to the Cape itself is awesome. So it would have been okay and it would have been wild and extreme and fun. But yeah, it was it was terrifying at the it same time. Gonna, it was never going to fail. I think from when I met you on day 55, I'm like, she's going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so to, again give a little bit more context on that day day 55 in Mackay I was up there for a speaking gig the night before and um kind of I messaged her I was like I'm actually right near you like where are you running from I'd love to go to you and, and start running and Erkana's like no where are you I'll come to you <laughs> so not only was she yeah just out there running a marathon every day but even trying to make it easier for me to jump in <laughs> that was a really fun day we actually went really fast that was the day though I'll never forget it that I went to the bathroom not long after you'd, you'd turned in um and forgot to return start my watch oh. so I ended up running I think 46 or 47k that day because yeah. I'd run three or four at that same clip and was so angry <laughs> oh, I bet that's tough I never did it again and so I used to run with groups and I'd be looking at my watch you know every literally 50 meters and people would say to me, oh, are we going, is the pace okay? Thinking that I was, well, mm. I'm, I'm not, I do not care about the pace. I'm just making sure my Garmin's working, <laughs> that yeah. I've turned it on. Yeah, well, I love that you ran with so many groups. I think that that's incredible. I know how hard it is out there when you're doing it day after day. You're under so much fatigue and sometimes it's hard to have these conversations, but you were truly thinking about these other people as well and how much it would mean for them to come and run with you. And I love that because I think so often, um, you know, some people out there, they're not about running with others and you really you really showed that that was what your run was about. Absolutely. it's the And for me too, I mean, running with people is beautiful. It's, it's how I've always ran. It's why I got into running in the start was to meet people in in Melbourne where I was living at the time and I wanted to yeah meet new friends and build community and that was never going to change out there I think that when you say yes to to running with a local running club you get to see their culture you get to see their trails and I think it was it made tip to toe so beautiful because I don't know where every park is I don't know where all the trails are so I've definitely lent on everybody else to show me the best parts of wherever they're from and they're the most unforgettable parts. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I have no doubt. I think if there was a favourite day, uh, I mean, obviously, <laughs> ending is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> but um, was, there a rent, like, was there a day in the middle or, you know, maybe like two-thirds of the way through or something that stood out as well? Oh, our run was pretty special. <laughs> no, I've got a very key favourite run and it's the Warburton Rail Trail, so from Warburton to Seville. Um, oh, no, sorry, to Lilydale. It's exactly 40Ks. I used to do it all the time growing up because that's where I grew up. And I remember thinking, wow, this is this is me running the, the marathon through the area I grew up in that kind of is where this cause was born from. So that felt really significant. And then I rocked up at the start line, I don't know, 7 a.m. or something, and it was just bustling with people. And not just runners, because a lot of runners had been joining, but my old soccer team, who are now 
all have knee-high kids or came with their bikes and put their kids in the bike. Then, you know, random family members and friends from high school all came. So the contingency of bikes that were going with me was as big as the runners. So we had this kind of flock of humans running, then this big flock of bikes. There was people along the the trail with like uh, icy poles and and water stops and it just turned into this affair. so that one was definitely unforgettable just because of the significance it held to me. Absolutely. That's special. And so that would have been the last few days, right? It was, yeah. yeah. It was only three days before I finished. And then th- those last, that last week was special because even the day before I finished, I just left that one private and just went with my three sisters and my mum on the bike. And that was so funny because we left kind of late again because, you know, they weren't going to get up at four. And then within like seven Ks, that were too cold. So they had to call my dad to come and deliver uh, jumpers. And then we went up a hill. That was too hard. Then their bums were sore. Then their wrists were sore. Then they had to stop for muffins. I was like, come on, James. This is a world record attempt. But there were still my sisters, you know. Are you giving them shit though? Being like, I've been getting up at four for 149 days and you can't get up at four once? Once? You can't even ride 42 once. It was so (laughs) funny. But it's just like the, the... the fact that they just didn't care they were just my sisters at the end of the day made me laugh so much but yeah there were so many memorable moments you know Toowoomba was fantastic just because the community there really rallied Aubrey Wodonga oh they had they had kind of created an entire event around this and so there was 11 people that ran the entire marathon with me and I have a key standout memory of this of this lady who her coach had prescribed her 20 k's for the day and so when we got to 20 k's I looked and I said oh thank you so much for joining she's like no I'm here to the end this is so infectious and she ended up running the entire 42 k's and when she realized we were going to go for a sub four she then kind of rallied the troops so we wouldn't stop so she could get this sub four marathon and it was awesome just the fact that she went from just joining me to making it about her first marathon and and her own personal achievement kind of was just just awesome (laughs) and she did she ran like three hours 50 something wow (laughs) that's a running coach's worst nightmare (laughs) someone who jumps from 20 straight to a marathon but good on her and you know you really inspired her out there to go and do that so that's that's unreal was there like what was the funniest moment on the trip i'm sure there was plenty one time i got my hair caught in the velcro of the tent for ages like i was just stuck there and you know when you're just so tired you have no energy to just i just got i just stayed there until eventually i think my partner had to like cut me out when he got home so i got swooped but I ran through magpie season. I reckon I got swooped by four magpies per run for like three months straight. It wasn't funny, but in hindsight it was funny. And for everyone else watching, it would have been hilarious. Did you at any point consider running with a bike helmet and some cable ties? (laughs) (laughs) I should have. (laughs) That would have been good, hey. They got to the point where we thought, okay, this is such a significant part of the film, uh, of the journey, we need to film it because we're making this adventure film. So Rai came out with his camera on a bike and, yeah, rather than the magpie sweeping me, it just relentlessly swooped him. So we have no footage of it, but that was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's funny that I ran for wildlife, but now I'm off the back of this more scared of Australian wildlife than I was before. That's cool. <laughs> Definitely funny. Everything. They're all terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And like, what was the, the most challenging part of the trip? I mean, obviously there's so many days, every day is different. Every day has its own unique challenge. But if there was anything that stood out as like the most challenging thing out of the tip to toe. Challenging. Yeah, I guess your mind is the most challenging thing. Um, 
because I had to sort of build this mindset at the start. To be honest with you, when I started this, I was relatively confident in my capable abilities. I mean, I'd been a runner, a sport person all my life, but I didn't know how mentally I'd go with it. And I remember thinking before I started this, I'm not just going to have to exceed everyone else's expectations of me, but exceed my own expectations of what I'm capable of. And I remember thinking that feels overwhelming because I don't know if I can do this. You know, I hadn't ran two marathons or three marathons before. Um, But in the end, I reframed that to say, okay, well, whatever you do get out here, you should celebrate because it's your own personal record. And so, yeah, I mean, I remember becoming really determined to get the world record, but constantly reminding myself that, you know you're already doing for yourself like don't compare yourself Mm. to anyone else you're already doing an incredible thing um I remember feeling challenged when yeah because it's such a long run I remember feeling challenged when you just have this long space of nothing like the roads just there's a lot of Australia as beautiful it is that just just isn't beautiful (laughs) which you would have seen too yeah for sure and because whilst you did have a lot of days with community that we spoke of there was also a lot of days solo just out there just solo and like one day my headphones broke so and then it was raining there's always headwinds why are they Mm. always headwinds you never (laughs) like just never get a tailwind (laughs) yeah it's just like the the wind gods know that there's a runner out there (laughs) and it's like let's just challenge them a little bit more I know, I remember I was speaking to Timmy Franklin, who's currently running the world, and um, he was telling me that he's sick of hearing the word unprecedented weather event, like he's had tornadoes, floods, and I was the same, we got flooded in, um, in the gem field, so I had to run three days in the same, the same like 4k radius, because the roads were all closed, but I think you just have to learn to embrace that, right, isn't that what we sign up for? So true, absolutely, (laughs) you have to just embrace the suck, everything about it, so... (laughs) One thing I'm really intrigued intrigued in, because obviously next year is my run around Australia, and this has been a goal of mine. I announced it early 2018. So sometimes these projects take, take so long to, mm. to get off the ground. How long was tip to toe? I guess when was the idea first born? The idea was actually a childhood dream. Um, and again, born from my personality of always setting tiny challenges for myself. You know, I'd, I'd race my parents to a cafe or I'd try and get up a hill as fast as I could. Um, so it was there and it was, you know... It was something I thought of, but I kind of put it on a shelf and it gathered dust for decades. And my love for running, though, that never faded. I was running pretty competitively in the marathon scene. And, yeah, through through lockdown, when what I thought was my entire purpose, which was road marathons, was taken away from me, I had a big chance to reflect on what makes me happy. And when I really boiled it down, those two things were running and the wilderness. So running in the wilderness and that – and you know I had this cause that I was already doing other things separate to running to to promote and then I watched Bo Miles's run across the Victorian Alps which I think is called Trials for Miles and I thought okay that was the catalyst to to say all right well let's dust off that childhood dream you have and put it into focus um which I did and then so I had the idea I thought yep now's the time but I had zero Instagram followers and Mm -hmm then you just have to go, all right, how do I even get this off the ground? Do, do you just call – how do you get sponsorship? How do you fund it? You know, I, I had a great, great job but no, like no savings. Yeah. Mm. And then all of a sudden this huge wall of things came up. So you just had to 
yeah, just dive in. <laughs> I love it. I love the naivety. I think that was, that was me too. And that's everyone really who dives into this space. You're just like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And then you have to figure out how. But I think you have the why first and the why is obviously mm. so key. And you would have been reflecting on your why so many times throughout the run. Oh, absolutely. The why and the why was the, the, the physical kind of challenge of doing the, getting the record, but it was also the, the cause. And so when I, it was interesting because when I broke the world record, I was only on day 107 mm-hmm. and I actually had a big slump then because I'd lost my kind of personal component of why and I remember having a stern chat to myself and saying hey when you were a kid and you were romanticizing this dream you had there was no world record it was just get from A to B preferably by running and so B was always Melbourne so um yeah although the reality of tip to toe is very different to my romanticized childhood dream um that was the goal. So why don't you? Why is that still not the goal? Um, and then, yeah, the why for my cause ha- became the sole driver to get me there when you know the world record had been ticked. Yeah, I love that. I think, and it's so cool to see how our dreams do evolve. You know, I think sometimes we set these things and then it just <laughs> it, things change. But one thing that I'm really really intrigued to to know and to learn from you is, I guess. One thing that was really important for me. So when I got into running, I was like, I've got all these incredible people I look up to, but listen to podcasts. And the first one was Samantha Gash. Mm -hmm. And it was late 2017. I ran my first marathon and I was like, I've got nothing to lose. I'm just going to reach out to her. Maybe she can help me. Maybe she can't. But if she gives me just a couple of tips, that'll be awesome. And I reached out to her and then she met me for coffee and we ended up building this beautiful friendship. And she referred me to my coaches, Jason DJ, who then went on to change my life. And it's amazing how when someone else backs you, just one or two people, it then really does change the trajectory of your life. And did you have any key mentors or someone that you could call in that time when you were like, you know, COVID or 2020 and you're like, I want to get this this dream off the shelves. It's been gathering dust. I want yeah. to do this. Who who can be in my corner? Yeah, so I had my surprisingly my parents. They have always just believed in everything that I could do, um, and so they were immediately. They didn't go, oh, why will you give up your incredible job to do this? They're like, yeah, let's we'll take our annual annual leave and come with you. Um, my partner, who is probably the most positive person, I think. The fact that we met right before we started planning this is the only reason I did it. Um, I'm a very, I'm a bit of a people pleaser. So in every previous relationship I've been in, my whole life has been dedicated to making sure everyone else is achieving their dreams. I've never put myself first. So this is the first time I found myself in a relationship that felt equal. Um, He's a filmmaker. So we came together and I said, all right, well, I have this story. And he's like, well, I've been waiting for a story to capture. So we kind of had this sole purpose. Um, and surprisingly, everybody that I did tell my coach I was most nervous about, because you're not really coachable when you're like, I want to run 300k a week for, you know, infinite weeks. And it's like, well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but he surprisingly got behind it. And the best thing about it was, and I don't know if this is just my personality, but a lot of people said, oh, if there's anyone that could do it, it's, it's going to be you. You know, mm. you're injury resilient. You, <laughs> you find the positive in, in most situations. Like, we think you can do it. So... I had more support than not support. Yeah. And I think that helped a lot. <laughs> yeah, huge. That's awesome. I think, yeah, a lot of people listening, like whether they're keen to take on their own adventure or just, you know, maybe it is um, do an event. Because I know there's certain events out there, like, the, I don't know if you know, the Braveheart 777, yeah. seven marathons in seven days. So a lot of people, when they're training for something like this, they think that you have to run marathons in the build up. And I take myself back to 2018. So 
2019, I ran 50 marathons in 50 days. It was called the Jog for Joey campaign, raising money for the compassionate friends. And that was when I'd sort of just started working with my coaches, Jason DJ. And I went out there and I went and ran two marathons in two days. And it was horrific. Like the, the <laughs> second day was like five hours 30. I was broken. My coach programmed me two 25K days back to back. I thought, oh, I'll just do 42.2. It's not going to matter because I've got to do 50. So why can't I do two? And he gave me a big reality check on the phone. He's like, don't ever do that again. Like, do you want to get to the race and feel good and be ready? Or do you want to get injured before you even start? He's like, trust me, trust the process. And we never had anything like that again. I was like, I'm going to listen to him. And it's interesting now, like as a running coach myself, I'm having to give that same advice to some of the runners that I work with. Yeah. But it's, it's just passion. Like people love this stuff so much. We want to be the best that we can be. We think we got to go out there and do it. But as you said, you hadn't run two marathons in two days Mm-mm. before you started. Did not, no. And I, in saying that, to preface, I was a very good marathon runner. I was running, you know, two hour 50 marathons. So I was fit. Yeah. You know, I was fitter than that, actually. I just didn't get the chance to 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 race um and so i was running 130 kilometers a week in prior to covid uh two sessions a long run and they were fast long runs um you know 35 k's at 405 pace so i pushed and i was exhausted in fact i go over my training program now and i cannot believe i used to do those kind of weeks in the build-up to tip to toe i did not do anything like that i ran 100 max kilometers a week and I took the brakes I put the brakes on and went to the gym three times a week I focused on stability exercises single leg you know core glute work and my whole focus was injury prevention yeah I love that and my whole focus was strength and I put on five kilos um which you'd think that's the worst thing to do but my whole goal was to get to the start line healthy because you'll get you're out there you're going to get conditioned if I was at breaking point that you sometimes are on the marathon start line you know you're you're on that threshold between injury and elite right if I was there at the start of tip to toe I only would have lasted a week so I really had to make sure getting to the start line was even if I was a little bit underdone was the best possible way to be that's great advice. It's unbelievable. I think so many people go in overtrain to these sorts of things. And I had a very similar approach mm. in Jace's prep with me. I don't think I was doing greater than 100K weeks, even 80 kilometer weeks, to then go and run, you know, these massive weeks in the Kansas to Melbourne run. So it's about building durability and strength. And you yeah. spoke about all of that. And I love that, you know, this holistic approach to training is what's allowed you to not only finish but finish so well like you were running so strong towards the end yeah weirdly um or not maybe not weirdly because it's hard there's not that many people to reach out to in in these there's not that many people that have done i guess an endurance event some such as i think i actually reached out to you and i reached out to a couple of other people who had done these multi-day huge events and i said hey what do i expect and the advice they all gave me was don't quit in the first two weeks because they're the hardest but i i thought my naive self going into this was like that'll be the easiest that's when i'm the freshest but no it's not like that at all your body is not used to the load it's not used to the daily grind and I got all my injuries in that first month um but then after that I felt so much more conditioned yes there's accumulating fatigue but it's a different feeling you just kind of your body knows what to do and towards the end and I don't know if this is because I was becoming more conditioned or if I got closer to Victoria where my running community are and they just came and ran with me and picked up the pace a little bit so I naturally just you know ran with them um but yeah my last 10 to 15 marathons were you 
you know, 45 minutes to an hour faster than my first 50. Because I always made my goal 150. Mm-hmm. That was always the goal. Had I not set myself 150, would I still be running now? Would I have been able to keep going? And it's hard to know because you put everything into this goal and you're like, you see the finish line, so that's where your vision ends. But yeah, who knows how far you could go if you didn't set it. Yeah, wow. I don't know. That's a great <laughs> question. No one knows the answer. No. Like how I many days that. do you have to do around Australia? Uh, well, the current record is uh, held by Dave Valley, incredible man. Yes. Anyone who hasn't uh, listened to that podcast, have a listen because, yeah, that was a, a great chat and honestly such a huge mentor for me. But uh, he held that record, he, 175 days, 4 hours and 49 minutes, yep. five months, five and a half months. But um, yours is the day you finish to when you get back, is it? Or is it a distance a day? Uh, yeah, so it's – so as in so is so yours so he said you said he did it in 140 something and so many hours so is yours from when you press start to when you get back to the yeah same so spot? yeah it's interesting right like there's no set amount of k's you need to do per day yeah it's like the clock is always ticking yeah so you could have a day where you do 100 k's where you feel awesome and you might have a day where you hobble through 20 kilometers so we've set a few rules i guess in place um he and, and because this has come through ron grant who was the current record holder prior to dave and incredibly Ron Grant was so supportive of Dave. He gave him all this advice and was a mentor just like Dave is for me, which is awesome. Um, he said that when he did it back in the 1980s, he had to run a minimum of 20 kilometres a day. That was just what they, they did. Yeah. Um, so that was the same with Dave. So really the only rule is try and beat his amount of kilometres in, in, and do it in less time um, and 20 kilometres a day. Well, that sounds like it's definitely possible, but you don't know where your body's going to be at. And yeah. Dave had a toe infection that nearly derailed the project. Obviously, yeah, your body under, I guess, um, like an infection, lymphatic system, everything like that, it can really put you in a bad way. So oh. he, um, he was able to discharge himself out of hospital unbelievable and then get a doctor to operate it on operate on his toe on the side of the road and just keep limping his way through the next few days and eventually got back to running again and was able to hang on so unbelievable but i think yeah it's um it's going to be interesting next uh, next year in taking that on but i think as as what one thing that i love is yeah just how supportive dave's been which i know you're so supportive of other people in the running space which i think is incredible i saw just last week you had a instagram live with timmy franklin that's just who you are isn't it i really want to share everyone else's stories i mean it's like paying it forward in a sense because i as i said i came from nowhere i i had a kind of i was relatively known in the running world but that world in victoria for me was very small i hadn't i didn't have yeah any influence so i did i I reached out to people who had done incredible things before me and i said hey can you help me or can you know help you help me share my story and it's a scary thing um and so you know now that i've i've had my experience and I've learned a million and one lessons from it I want to not only help people who have ideas but to share um to share the story so there's limelight on the fact that there's so many incredible people doing this and for me I think if you can see how many people are doing and it doesn't have to be running it can be an event like kayaking or paddling or literally anything rock climbing but to show how many people are out there doing crazy things I think normalizes it a little bit and so people feel like it's not something that only happens to the 
wildest craziest people it can happen that you can do it too if you have this goal um so yeah there's there's an amazing man alex running across new zealand at the moment i've got someone running across the u.s the week after a lady walking the length of the world yeah um lucy so i've got this cool list of people who inspired me who i want to now put a big spotlight on and say look at these people if you want inspiration it's all around you that's huge. I love that. What were the dates that you were doing the tip to toe, like exact dates? August 20th, I left the Cape. Yeah. And then I came, I returned to Melbourne 150 days later on January the 16th. So, yeah, you would have um, you would have been running at the same time as Ned Brockman when he did the uh, run from Perth to Bondi. That was, uh, yeah, obviously a phenomenal run that he did. And, you know, I was following it. I was following both of you at the time. It was huge. Um how did you find like? How did you find that? Were you like supporting each other's journey? Oh, not really. I I started ten days before Ned. Um, I actually reached out to him. We both ran Gold Coast Marathon in July um, and said, uh, you know, hey, I'm a kinder. I'm the one that's doing the opposite run to you. Um, I didn't get a lot of support. Um, I guess to be honest, though, we were both focusing on our own events. Um, yeah, he 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 had a big team around him and was working hard towards his goal. Um, yeah, it's, it would be cool to maybe collaborate, but no, I mean, from my point of view, I never got anything back. So there's Mm. nothing I can do in that situation. Yeah. Well, I think you did incredibly well at the time managing all of that. Like Ned's run blew up and the the virality (laughs) of it would have been pretty hard for you at the time when you were out there. Yeah, it was, to be honest with you, I couldn't at the time follow it because it was, it was so hard for me because, um, I was working so hard, you know, I was getting up at four and running and then spending all this time trying to share my story. Um, so yeah, I, I, but you know, for me, I didn't actually see it as, as Ned. I saw it as a, for me personally, I saw it as almost like a societal thing that the fact that there'd been so much sponsorship support thrown behind Ned's run. And I saw it almost as a gender issue mm. than an individual issue. Um, and it's something that I just kind of swallowed and, and just kept reminding myself while I, why I was out there and we were very different people. We are very different people. And I just had to tell myself that I still do today. It's like, well, you know, you can't change who you are. You got to be, you got to be yourself. You've just got to maintain positivity and keep sharing your story. Don't change. Um, You know, I can't be anyone else but myself. So I I almost turned completely and dived more into to me um, and just tried to, yeah, tried to forget about it all in a way, just for mm. that period. Um, in saying that, like incredible effort, like the the, the money raised is astronomical. Yeah. Um, but I think that's where I was getting the most, I guess, that where I was struggling the most a little bit is because I would have loved to be able to, like shed light on my cause to receive that much mm. attention. I was just, I remember more, not for myself personally, because I wasn't, yeah, I had my own goals, but was more to get the attention on the cause to be able to raise that, you know, amazing amount of money. And I was just kept remember thinking, oh, I could go to so many places. Um, but in saying that, I'm very proud of both of us and, you know, what I achieved, what he achieved. So, yeah, well said. Well, I think uh, I just recently had Samantha Gash on the podcast, who's obviously a friend of yours as yeah. well. And we were talking about how well you managed it out there. I think it, um, you know, it was incredibly tough at times, no doubt. At seeing that, I think we were just in awe of the way that you were bringing light to, um, you know, a woman out there just kicking goals. And, and we know that you would have inspired so many young girls and other women and also men out there. You're 
inspiring me to continue to show up as you know my authentic self and and others to show up as themselves and be the best version of themselves so thank you hats off to you it was that was really well done let's dive into social media a little bit because i think this is obviously in a similar realm obviously there's a lot of lovers out there but also haters how did you find that There were so many haters. And it's so weird. I was doing such an innocent thing running for wildlife. I got, I got, um, and saying that, I should take that back. I, it was 99.9% love. Mm. Um, and in fact, the support um, was something that got me through it. And I made a promise to myself on the first day that I would respond to everyone that messaged me through Instagram and because, or, or, you know, any, any social media platform or just on my phone, because I thought, wow, they've taken the time out of their day to reach out, check in. And some of the messages were next level. Um, you know, mums would send me photos of their kids working in the backyard to earn pocket money to donate to the cause, you know, and that wow. just breaks your heart. So it's just in beautiful stuff. Um, so I would always try and respond, but yeah, some of the, I, I made an actual video on, and that was the, that were the clean ones as well. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to get this thick skin. It's like when you put your own event into the world, yeah. it's like you, you immediately open yourself up for criticism. I think if you're comfortable with it, I'd love to play that little snippet <laughs> in this little podcast just to show people how you did manage the haters because I oh. think that that was such a, an awesome approach. My I've been reading some of the most amazing comments, but every so often there's a bit of a bad apple and they're hilarious. Let's celebrate them. Oh, there are some crackers in here. Here's one. My grandma runs faster than you. Oh, I should run with her. Oh, 300k a week, but you're not a real athlete. What's the point here? <laughs> if she actually ran this distance, her body would be hating her. Well, it is. Get off the internet. Unremarkable. You're nothing compared to Ned Brockman. Running a marathon a day <laughs> isn't even that hard. It's only a big deal <laughs> because she's making one. Let's make 2023 the year of positivity and get behind a mate doing an awesome thing. I know I will be. My favourite one of all of them was, I think there was a Guardian article on the fact that I'd raised over 100000 for the Wilderness Society and someone, the top comment was, but why did you do it for wilderness? You should have done it for at-risk wildlife. You should have done it for an important cause like, you know, cancer or something. I just remember thinking like, you can also go and, raise money for yeah. it that's your cause i still think that's important i just have to you know this one's close to my heart that's it's just you. like you just get shot down on your cause that you choose the way that you're running the, it's not long enough it's not hard enough i'm like oh just yeah for, for me being such a supportive person it's weird when you don't it's not reciprocated <laughs> yeah absolutely i think it's it's a hard one because people will always everyone's got their own favorite charity mm. and their own personal reasons why to support that and you know hearing more about your story today i obviously knew a little bit in that you grew up in nature but mm. hearing yeah how much this wilderness society means to you like you can hear it you can see it it's uh, it's pretty special and that's what i think everyone should be able to do to follow their passion and make a difference if that's what they want to do go out and do it like life is too short to not take these things on right yeah and just like support people you know Mm. there's the the thing about the world is it's not like a pie if someone else has success it doesn't mean it takes from your success we can all be successful we can all support each other you know it's it's okay to to be and if, if yeah it's just 
just be kind. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's well said. So you said you've been running for a long time. I want mm-hmm. to take it back now um, to, I guess, your childhood. Like, uh, were you always really into running, you know, cross country, that sort of thing in school? No, no, not at all. I was a soccer player and I played hockey and I played cricket and I played every sport under the sun except for netball because I kept getting fouled. You know, like I, just, <laughs> I just was frustrated so I stopped. Loved the sport but not for me. Um, but, yeah, I played every sport under the sun. I actually got a scholarship to the US when I was in high school to play soccer over there and then travelled to the to the UK to play further. That's incredible. So, I know. So my entire life was soccer. Wow. What um, position were you playing? I, well, I started as a striker and then in midfield and then I think when they realised my strength was actually running I got you know chucked out on the on the wing um and eventually just removed the ball altogether (laughs) but um my whole running was just to stay fit for football I loved it um and so I would run for fun just because I was I loved exploring so it was more about seeing places for me and even through my kind of early 20s when I'd be traveling through the, the seeing the world I traveled around um, to different cities and then I just the first thing I'd do was drop my luggage and go for a run that was my way to get my bearings and to see things and immerse myself in the culture and then I, I came back from all that traveling when I was 23 and I had enough of football or soccer it's all I'd been playing so I wanted to meet new people so I walked across the road in Collingwood in Melbourne and there was an athletics track there signed up fell in love with it immediately it's like when you didn't realize you were good at something until yeah. you try it and you're like oh I, I can do this. Like, I'm actually okay. Yeah. And I wasn't okay back then. I was probably not at all. But it was like, yeah, compared to just I loved everything about it. I loved the community spirit. I loved the workout. You can just, like, you can wreck yourself in 20 minutes on mm. a track. Less than, probably two minutes. <laughs> if you put me through a 1K wreck, yeah. <laughs> it won't take you two minutes. It will definitely take me closer to 3.30, but wrecked. I'll be wrecked. Absolutely wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And you don't need anything. It's... It's a sport you can do with little money um, yeah. and just, yeah, it's just a good way to be social. Yeah, incredible. Well, one question I always ask every guest, that's like the question of the podcast, is tell me about your first 42K. So mm. tell me about your first marathon. What was that experience? Where, where did you do it? How did it go? <laughs> All right, well, I'll tell you the first one and then the first real one. So the first one, um, yeah, like I said, I, I jumped into track. It was was okay at it, um, loved it though, and but I've always had the body to be a marathoner. So I had been running for like seven years or six years, and my coach had kept telling me, "Do a marathon. It's your it's your body type." But I remember looking at them all crossing the finish line, and everyone was grimacing, and no one looked like they were having fun. Yeah. <laughs> like that sport looks horrible. <laughs> um, but eventually, I I I did. I, I trained up for Gold Coast two thousand and. I'll say 17 or 18, probably the same year as you. And my coach paced me and he paced me for two hours and 45 minutes. And I was like, cool, yep, I can run a half in around that time. You know, I was on paper, sure. (laughs) But, you know, the marathon's a beast. She'll she'll chew you up and spit you out. So I got 20 kilometres into that run and just hit the world's biggest wall and pretty much crawled to 30 and then... Gold Coast Marathon ends up at the start line at 30 k's and just yeah, lent over, game over. So oh, DNF. DNF'd my first marathon. Wow, went back to hating it pretty quickly. <laughs> but no, I I I kind of got a little bit hooked. I saw yeah. the community. I saw everyone helping each other out. I saw the 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 objective was to finish, not to you know that that was everyone's objective. No matter what, let's get to the finish line. And I liked that everyone had their own goal within the race. So I backed it off a little bit. 
um, and entered Sydney Marathon that same year. So it would have been in September. So July, or so two or three months later, aimed for two hours and 55. Um, so 10 minutes slower and ran 251 or 252. So I just had to back it off that small amount. Yeah. And it made the whole thing so much more enjoyable. And it's a lesson I still live by today is just, yeah, you've just got to pace it right. You cannot go out too hard. So true. It's it's the hardest thing to work out, and I think it just takes you know it's it takes years of running experience to get it. Even with park run, mm-hmm. <laughs> one of my mates, Beardy, had him on the podcast. Um, had him on on a Thursday, and he just helped me to a five k PB that morning. And um, then he was filthy that I beat him. Like he was he was <laughs> proud of me. He was proud of me. He paced me to it, but he's thinking I should have knocked him over. Like I'm a better runner than Shawnee. <laughs> So he then challenged me on air on the podcast and said, all right, I want to verse you Saturday. Two days from now, we're going again. We're doing a park run. And he smoked me by like 30 seconds because I've gone out and gone, oh, I'm going to go out even harder and tried to run a 310 first K Whoa. and then blew out a 350. <laughs> so I quickly learned that that was just too much for me. Better to hold around 330 and sit there. So I think, yeah, that's such a good lesson. And, and also like hats off to you. What a marathon for the first oh. marathon. I mean, I know you probably counted as you second my second definitely my second but that's that's it right it's like it depends on your goals I'd come from a running background so I was you know I had speed in my legs but no endurance whereas right now I got my VO2 max tested the other day and I have a very like it's 56 which was it's so much lower but that's because now I'm trained to run slow for a really long time but no fast so if I was to try that right now it, it would be it would be a very terrible terrible race so yeah my goal now is to just lay out little bits of speed mm. on like go out and do park runs and try and slap a 1730 I love that well I think it's it's important like a period of unstructured training following your event you know such yeah. a big thing 150 days like I felt that after 60 days and mm. It wasn't to the point where I hated running. I've always loved running, even on the other side of it, but my body just needed a rest. Like mm. I'm sure it was the same with you, which I'm really keen to dive into a bit more. Um, but it was this period of this unstructured training and I fell in love with tennis and that was sort of my way of navigating through that. Um, have you sort of lent on any more sports, like different sports, or is it more just been getting back into the gym since you finished? Like what's been your focus in the last seven weeks? Yeah, firstly, for the first four weeks, nothing. Like yeah. I didn't have the energy to get through the day, let alone find enjoyment in anything else. My enjoyment was just being awake for more than an hour and, and being able to focus. So when that fatigue faded, I went, exactly, I went, I, I found Pilates um, which I used to love but never really prioritised, gym and walking, and but also finding love in rest days. Yeah. I always used to berate myself for, for taking too much time off. Even today I haven't exercised. I've just been for a walk and my old self, and I can even hear it a little bit being like, you should do something today. You should fit it in. Why haven't you done that? And it plays on my mind. And that's only just creeping back in now, but just actually enjoying doing nothing and not feeling guilty for it has been really nice as well and just embracing the recovery well yeah i'm really glad to hear that like i think looking back now on on the i guess yeah period straight after my cans to melbourne run i did it way wrong and Mm. you know it was tough for me i think um obviously i lost my coach during the run Mm. so i didn't have that person to lean on with advice but 
I was also just, it's, it's part of my identity. I love it so much, like yourself, movement. And it's not so much always running, but just getting out there and doing something to, to feel better physically and mental health. So I was in the gym less than 48 hours after my Whoa. run. Yeah, I went to do an upper body session. I was like, I feel skinny. I'm going to the gym. And of course, Whoa. I lifted terribly. Um, but that was what I was, I was saying to myself, and that's what I did. And then, you know, like within four weeks, I'm doing plyometrics. I'm doing box jumps and the ski erg and things that I shouldn't have been doing but again I'm just like I love training so much this is what I want to do right now and it's only like it was only probably took six months to properly recover which is crazy I was and about to ask because I was yeah. like so Sean how long will I take to recover <laughs> yeah well I think well, as in, when I say like to properly recover six months to be starting to get back in front so mm, now just okay. recently I've hit a 5k PB I feel like I'm full of energy you know another really good guide for me is I can do two sessions a day now mm. so I could train I could run in the morning do weights in the evening couldn't do any of that you know I would do these sessions but it would completely zap me and the biggest one was the assault bikes. I don't know if you've done that before. Yeah. They're horrific. They're Anyone horrific. who says they like the assault bike is lying. Um, <laughs> I, sta- I started back on the assault bike. I was so dizzy. I had no energy. And, you know, six months later, then using the assault bike, I was like, whoa, now I see why I shouldn't have been on that. But I didn't yeah. realize it in the moment. Yeah. I went to the gym yesterday or the day before, and it was the first time I did a session at the gym where I felt like I could – I usually just feel like I'm I'm getting through it. Like I'm, I, I, I go, I drag myself there and I'm foggy and I'm not actually working out. I'm just lifting things. But yeah, I went back and I actually felt like I could get my heart to elevate and I actually could lift strong. Um, but yeah, it knocked me back two days. So I, I know the, the guide and I know I'm nowhere near that yet. Um, so yeah, I think I will take up something. Um, I want to get into surfing. Love that. I live in Burley Heads and I... Don't surf because I'm a Melbourne kid. I want to learn to, yeah, surf down in Currumbin or, you know, I'm a bit too nervous to go here in Burley. I don't think I'm good enough. Currumbin Alley. It's fun. Currumbin, yeah. yeah. Well, are you coming to Salt Social tomorrow morning? It's too early. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm like, I'm not, I woke up at quarter to eight this morning. <laughs> No, that's good. You do need your sleep right now. I will. uh, I will go. go. (laughs) I'm not in Queensland time yet. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. I love that. Well, yeah, you do. You do need to respect that recovery. And I'm so glad that you are doing that and prioritizing these rest days. And and I think surfing will be awesome for you. Um, That's yeah. (laughs) That's really, really cool. Um, Is there anything you wish that you did better on the tip to toe? If we were to go back to tip to toe now, or it was sort of like in some cases the imperfect nature of it made it so perfect i think so i know that sometimes your first marathon is your best marathon because you're naive you don't know how much it's gonna hurt and you don't know what to expect so you just go in completely naive to the pain i i don't think i would change i mean i would change a million things right but then you'd lose the experience of learning them all i would change uh yeah i would change some of the 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 paths i took i would work out a way to have better communication when i was up in those remote areas you know i would probably get a car that didn't break down as often you know there's so many lessons you do learn um i would have taken more stuff to treat myself for physio i would have taken more bug spray yeah (laughs) um but no, all in all, I mean, I made it to the finish line. I didn't. You didn't get, just make it. You, you crushed yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I didn't get injured like yeah. properly. I, I got little niggles, but I worked through them. So I, you know, I'm 
I'm, I'm a stronger person now and I've learned so many lessons that I can now share and, and, and teach and, mm. and take them into the next thing that I do, whatever that will be. Um, so no, no, I don't think I, I love would. that. Well, that was the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, how has life been different for you now since? Like obviously you made the move to the Burley Heads, which mm-hmm. is incredible. Life on the Goldie is always good. Um, but at the same time, yeah, like has things been a little bit different um, on the other side? Obviously, you know, the run did grow some real momentum and that then sort of does change your life. Yeah, it has. It's completely changed. I mean, I haven't gone back to my previous role. So I'm kind of working for myself now, which is beautiful. You used to, what did you used to do? I was working in, so I'm a nutritionist, but I wasn't working in nutrition. I was working in kind of food supply and it's still in food, but it was more of a commercial role. Um, so I'm working more now in nutrition. I'm working more now in, um, I guess, working with like, companies to be more conservative and sustainable. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm an ambassador for a few events coming up. So I've got more of a public-facing role where I'm doing a bit of speaking and it's very different. And the funny thing is now, though, you're, I'm working for myself, so I have to regulate my own hours. And I've found that I actually don't switch off when mm. I'm. it's just me and you might find this too. I don't take a lunch break anymore. I don't take – I don't stop until I just run out of energy in the evening. So what I need to do now is learn to set myself boundaries now that I'm my own boss to to make sure I don't burn out. But it's a different world. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think one thing that I've found sort of as an entrepreneur is that the discipline that it takes to be the runner that you mm-hmm. are, that will really help you in, in what you're doing now in your in your business and um, working for yourself it's tough but you've got to get it done and you know you're such a disciplined driven person that maybe in your case it's like you're going overboard as you said yeah. you're doing too much it's hard to switch off but I think you will find that just like you've found that that piece in rest days sometimes with running you'll find that with your work too um, that's really really cool that you're able to do that and more and more speaking as well and yeah. sharing that message which is which is so key because I think um, as you touched on everyone has got a place like there's room for all of us absolutely and I think that's a beautiful thing that you're doing and getting such an important message about yeah about the wildlife out there and just also encouraging people to chase their dreams yes that's what i want to keep doing i want to yeah motivate people to go out there and do these big multi-day adventures and what and doesn't even have to be running it can be whatever sport it is just yeah go out there and give it a crack because you probably will exceed you know everyone else's expectations on your own so just do it so true do you this is an interesting one because this was um i guess asked of me someone asked Mm -hmm. me after my run do you feel a pressure or an expectation to continue to, to do to continue doing these running feats now. Yeah, I I have been asked that a few times, and the answer is yes. I I do feel pressure to do it, but also it's almost exciting because I've got this platform now where people will like I, I I've I've got a little bit of credibility. People will like trust that I might be able to do it if I set myself a new challenge. So I'm looking at it as a positive, being like, cool. If I do want to do something let's like how big can we go now and so I've already started planning my next thing it's not going to be a record attempt per se I'm, I'm more excited about a collaboration yeah. so I would love to work with some awesome runners ultra runners that I've looked up to in the past and almost use it as an opportunity to say hey do you want to work together and, and create an event together um, so there's some cool people in the in the UK I've been talking to um, and yeah in the US as well so I think my next thing will be a bit of a team. I love adventure. that. So watch this space. Watch this space. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be 150 days again. <laughs> <laughs> 
It doesn't need to be though. It's got to be what lights you up, which I love. So Absolutely. That's huge. Huge. <laughs> well, I can't thank you enough for being so supportive of me through my Cairns to Melbourne run and with helping me promote next year's run. I look up to you so much with what you did for a charity so close to your heart as well. And more so just the fact that you really are genuinely wanting to help other people and share what they're doing. You know, I think it's a, it takes a special person to do that. Um, and I've no doubt, like Samantha Gash was for me, you'll be able to be a mentor for so many others in this space. So well done on every achievement you've had, not just the tip to toe. Obviously, that's one that obviously got us to know each other Mm -hmm. um, but so many things before that we know that you didn't just wake up the night before and say I want to do this so it's been a journey and um, yeah can't thank you enough for what you're doing in the world and um, just keep being you thank you thanks for having me (laughs) well all the best and uh, we'll I look forward to running with you soon we hope that you love the podcast and if you did please leave a review and share it with others did you know that you can train with us at first 42k for as little as 9.95 per week If you're looking to fall in love with running and achieve your first 5K, 10K, half marathon or marathon, unlock your one-week free trial at first42k.com.au. I'd like to thank our partners at HGG Performance for providing the podcast space. HGG Performance manufactures strength and rehabilitation equipment, which is hugely beneficial for runners looking to improve performance and prevent injury. Use the code FIRST42K for 10% off their products. Until next time, live happy and run strong.